have already learned the names of many of the people President-elect Biden plans to nominate for top cabinet positions, but any incoming administration has a lot of hiring to do. There are about 1,300 politically appointed jobs that don't require Senate confirmation. And our next guest says the Biden administration needs to prioritize those picks, maybe even ahead of the Senate-confirmed ones. Jeff Neal is a former chief human capital officer at DHS, now a member of the National Academy of Public Administration's board of directors. He talked with me about why those mid-level appointees are so critical. One of the things you find when an administration is filling a lot of positions is that sometimes they end up filling a lot of things from the top down. You know, obviously, a president starts with his or her White House staff and then the, filling out the cabinet. And you know, when you go to a, a department, say Department of Homeland Security, where I used to work, you have a secretary a deputy secretary, multiple undersecretaries, a bunch of assistant secretaries, and then a lot of other people. And a lot of times what happens is the people who are going to be assistant secretaries or undersecretaries think they should have a say in everybody who's going to work for them. Uh, they don't always have quite as much say as they think they do, but they, they think they should have a say. And so they want you to wait to fill the positions that report to them until they get nominated and confirmed. The problem with that is those jobs are the ones where a lot of the work is getting done. And if you wait for months or for you know, even a year in some cases, or even more in some, you end up with a lot of jobs not getting filled in a timely way. And you end up with a lot of work that could be done under the leadership of somebody who is an appointee not being done that way or just being done by the career staff and with the career staff trying to you know, figure out the best way to get it done. So it's really much better if you, in addition to, to filling the, the White House staff and the cabinet jobs, start filling out the middle of the organizations as well. It really just makes it work better. And it's, um, it's a way to get, to get action moving much more quickly. If those positions stay vacant for longer than they really should, is the concern more that there's just really no forward motion at all, or is it more that they're they're actually still executing the previous administration's priorities? Uh, it can be both of those. Uh, it can be that you've got folks who were set in motion by the uh, by the Trump administration, and they're going to just keep on going in that direction. You might have some folks who, who, who say, well, you know, the Trump administration started this, so clearly the Biden administration will want to stop it. And they stop and go off in some, you know, some other direction. But it might be one of the things that the Biden administration actually wanted to continue. And if, in the absence of clear guidance, people are left to you know, really to, to make up their own story about, about what they should be doing. Uh, so, so it could be either of those things. One thing I wonder is, you know, we, we know nominees are not supposed to take any action that presumes the outcome of the confirmation process. That's a question in every confirmation hearing. But would it be totally scandalous for, for let's say, Janet Yellen to have a voice right now in who those mid-level appointees at Treasury should be, even though she's not the secretary yet? I wouldn't say she would have a voice. I would say they could, you know, I could, could see somebody asking her opinion as somebody who happens to be an expert in the financial management world and uh, in the macroeconomic world. So she's someone who's got an enormous amount of experience. And they could ask her, I would assume, as a, simply as one of the many experts that they might consult with about who would be good to put in certain jobs. 
Yeah, I raised that just just to see if there's a happy medium here, you know, to, to, to give the incoming nominees some control over who the lower level folks are going to be, even while you're prioritizing filling those mid-level positions. And I'm, I'm just wondering if there's a way to do that without without annoying Congress too much. Uh, you don't want your nominee to walk into a confirmation hearing and start having to answer questions that would irritate them. And I made clear that I wanted, you know, a say in who would be working for me is one of those things that would probably would probably irritate the Senate. Yeah. Talk about your experience coming into the Obama administration, because you mentioned in your most recent column that, that you came in fairly late and a lot of stuff had already been done ahead of you. Yeah, I came in in May. And what I found is that they had been getting advice from some of my staff who were very capable people. But, you know, when you are when you ask somebody how to implement or how to interpret a regulation or a law, it's not a black and white question. Usually there are various ways to interpret rules and regulations and laws. There are various degrees of flexibility that people can choose to exercise. And the folks who were giving them advice, although they were very capable people, were very conservative in their approach to things. So, you know, if you have a hundred units of flexibility in a regulation or a law, they were willing to exercise 80% of it. And so there were a number of things that were completely legal that should have been done but because of the ultra-conservative approach to interpreting regulations that some of my staff uh, were using, uh, they didn't. And so they, they really got bad advice. And then we, we wanted to fix some of that stuff. And sometimes it was fixable and sometimes it wasn't. You know, particularly when you're hiring people, there are certain decisions that once you've made them and executed them, you can't go back and change them. And so it, it really created some issues for us. Uh, on some of the appointees that we brought in, and so it, it, it was, it would have been much better for them. And they, and they even said that. You know, the secretary's chief of staff told me over and over again that he really wished uh, they had brought me in in January, but they didn't think it was important because nobody thinks the chief human capital officer is that important a job. And so they, they wait around to get that one. It seems to me, you know, potentially another side of this coin, apart from just appointing your own people to those politically appointed non-Senate confirmable positions, might be just a discovery process of, of trying to locate people who may have been burrowed in by the previous administration, quote unquote. How much of that typically happens and, and how hard is it to wrest control of various levers of power from people who might have been burrowed in? And how much do you expect in, in this transition? Uh, burrowing is, is something that is always an issue when there's a, a change of administrations. It's not typically widespread. I think when I got to DHS, uh, I was told that during the previous four years, something like 17 Bush appointees had burrowed into DHS. And, you know, people always want to look at that and they always are concerned about what kind of damage those folks might do if they wanted to be malicious um, and whether or not they were qualified. You know, were these folks hired because of their politics or were they hired because of their qualifications? You know, the reality is the answer is probably, in most cases, is probably both. They probably were qualified uh, and they were also probably hired because of their politics. But the, um, the reality is that once they're in there, the right thing to do is to look and see 
because you do want to maintain the integrity of the merit system. You don't want people just put into jobs because they're connected to an administration. So the, the right thing to do is to look and see if the appointments are legal appointments. You know, did they follow the rules? Did these folks get any advantage that might constitute a prohibited personnel practice or might constitute an illegal appointment? And so uh, if they are illegal appointments, then you, you terminate them because they weren't legally appointed. Uh, if they are legal appointments, then you really have to think about you know, what you do next. And if, if it's somebody who you think is just not going to want to carry out the administration's policies because your career employees are not policymakers, uh, the politicals are the policymakers, if they can't carry out the administration's policies, then uh, you move them somewhere. Or if they're still in a probationary period and you say, okay, here's the policy I expect you to carry out, and they say, well, I'm not going to do that, then you fire them during their probationary period because they refuse to, to do the job. But for the most part, people who are burrowed in stay around. Most of the time, they actually are qualified people. They actually will do the job. They actually will adapt to the incoming administration's policy direction. Uh, but if they won't, then you get them out of the jobs. And sometimes getting them out of the job means removing them. Sometimes it simply means moving them to something where they're not in a position to interfere with your policy direction. That's Jeff Neal, former chief human capital officer at DHS, now a member of the National Academy of Public Administration's Board of Directors. You can find this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.